Take your Bibles to the book of Matthew again, Matthew chapter number 19. The goal of this series is for God to be glorified in marriage, for hurting marriages to find healing, for good marriages to become great, and for future marriages to be grounded in truth. That is our desire in this dark world that is so anti-marriage, anti-home, and anti-anything good in God that he has placed forth. Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 4 says, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them, what does it say it out loud together? Ready and go. Male and female. I think that we can all agree that God made us completely different. It was his purpose, and God has a master plan. Not only did God make us different as far as in genders, God made us all different. He said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God created each and every one of us very, very differently. We have different temperaments. We have different desires. We have different emotions. We have different, once we're Christians, spiritual gifts. And God takes how he created us, as we are, the Bible says, don't miss it, foreordained to walk in them, meaning the good works, Ephesians 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath foreordained that we should walk in them. So God created each and every human being for a task, for an individual, if he uh, designed marriage for your life, and most he did, not all, but most. And so God created you in a specific way. And you are everything, as long as you follow God's plan and do it God's way, what you need to be when you submit your body, your life, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God made us all different, and he created us with different personalities, desires, and emotions. When we go to the Bible, we see this clearly. For instance, Mary and Martha, were they different? They were different. But God used them in a great way, and it wasn't a negative thing. It was just the fact that they were different. Paul and Barnabas were different. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit tonight, but we won't. Peter and Thomas had different temperaments, different personalities, a different style and way of doing things. Esau was different than Jacob, and Leah was different than Rachel. And John the Baptist, it was said, what did you go out, what, 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 did, you, what did you expect to see? Some soft-spoken, peaceful kind of a person that just wanted to stay in the background? No, I created him to be the fourth. Runner. I mean, he's a reed that's not shaken. I mean, he is, he is stalwart, and he is bold, and he is loud, and he is a leader, and he is uh, in charge and out front. One of the things that helps me as a pastor, probably more than anything else as far as the pastoral role and under-shepherding role, is learning that God has created us to strive together for the gospel that we are all here on one team. If you're born again believer and you want to further the work of God in unity, we're all here for one goal and one cause, and that's the gospel, and that's truth, and that's glorifying God. But far too often, we, in our selfishness, 
get so blinders or get our blinders on. And this happens with a lot of people. It happens with pastors. I will have a tendency to do it, but one of the greatest things that helped me is to not do this. And here's what I'm talking about is just to work in my parameters or in how God created me because God created us all differently. And so learning people's background, learning how people are like and where they come from is simply preferring one another and surrendering and submitting ourselves one to another. For instance, when I think about the ministry and maybe talking about staff getting started here, I think about Dan Woodward and Michael Griswold. They are different. And, and how, how we interact with those two individuals is entirely different. I think about Randy Bingham and Summer Chafa. And they're both sitting here saying, how are we different? How are we different? I don't know. Just stay tuned. You might find out. But um, all positive here. But they're different. They operate in different ways. But we could go on. I, th I think about the two guys sitting up there. Steve Swaffer and Butch Temple are entirely different. And you know what? God made them that way. Can I just pause and say this? And this is a major point of the message. You don't have to skip ahead and find it in the notes, though it's in there, Steve. Let me just stop and say this. Most marriages fail because when something goes wrong, they, think, they, they focus on what is wrong instead of what is right. And what is wrong doesn't motivate us. What is right motivates us. And God focuses, yes, he calls out the wrong, but we love him, why? Because he first loved us. He shows us what's right in this situation, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're called out. He knows our name. And yet I've seen couple after couple after couple sit in the office and the wife or the husband wants to point out what is wrong with. And of course, they're not motivated to fix it because who wants to hear again and again what most of us already knows? But we're stubborn and, 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 and push off in, in the negative. But when something is good that we are striving to do is brought up, we're motivated in that. And the Bible talks about that, to love one another, to respect one another, to, to uh, encourage one another, to have our heart, quote, knit together, the Bible says. I think about uh, Andy Chafa and Marlon Bontrager, Susanna Regal and Jamie Jones. And these are, again, the, all these people are thinking, what, what, what's different about me? They're different in how God made them and I could go around the church. And because I love you and I want to help as my calling to build you and strengthen you across the way, then I want to know you. I want to dwell according to knowledge and I want to submit ourselves one to another. And I don't want to just say, well, you don't like what I like and you don't like to do things the way I like to do them and you're, you, you need to get out of the way. No, we need to work together for the cause of Christ. And so what happens is we think about God saying, my sheep uh, hear my voice and I know them. God knows us. He knows our individual needs. And guess what? My needs, my corrections, and my encouragements are different than others in this room. Would you agree with that? And so have you ever heard the saying, opposites attract? Have you ever heard that? I've heard that before. Well, guess what? It's true. You know where it came from? God. You say, how did it come from God? Well, we were looking at the verse, male and female. It's opposite. We learned that last week. It's way more different than you think. Please go back and watch that. Last week, it'll help you. God made us opposite. But beyond that, he made us opposite in many emotions and temperaments, even not just with male and female. If you were to ask a woman, I said this last week, to describe the ideal man, she would most likely describe another woman and really the same with a man. Because we only see in our parameters, that is the basis of fleshly, selfish living. 
It's me. It's my life. It's my way or the highway. It's all that I can think and feel and want. And that's what you should think and feel and want too, because that's what I think and feel and want too. But God says, no, not so. And I want to show you some Bible on that, but let me illustrate this. And this is just going to skim the surface. And I always try to be, try to be conscious of time. I want to skim the surface and show you something tonight that will help in your marriage. Get outside of your selfish box, if you will, and uh, give you a little bit of an illustration. And then we'll close it up with some gospel, uh, with, with, with the Bible uh, uh, scriptures uh, tonight. There are major uh, uh, culture differences in other cultures in other countries around the world. How many of you would agree with that? And uh, so if you were to go to China, it's not just the language, it's not just the food, it's the way they think. I remember my dad uh, preaching in Spanish church when Dan Rogers was here, and they were talking about my dad's isms or jokes and how they didn't translate to the Spanish and how the Spanish jokes didn't translate. And I don't mean just language translate, I mean like mental translate. And how, I guess in the Spanish world, jokes are entirely different. You know, and they told some joke about driving down the road and seeing some cow standing bored in the field and all the Spanish laughed and we're going like, I don't understand. But you got to be careful in other cultures because you'll offend people. You know, if you, if you go push back from the table in Australia and say, I'm stuffed, they're going to, you know, shriek and horror and cover their kids' ears because that means that you're pregnant. All right. In Africa, you don't even talk about being pregnant at all. You don't mention it. You know, when's the baby due? Slap. You know, you're in trouble. Why? Because it's not, that's not the way we, we, we think. That's not the way we feel. That's not our culture at all. And so I have heard and read, and then I did my own personal. I, I made these designs but based upon uh, what I heard and read about that. Uh, in, not just in marriage, but with people, God made us entirely different with different spiritual gifts and different strengths and different weaknesses. And that's why we all need Christ, and we'll bring that all together and, 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 and see the good. But uh, we, we come from different countries, and most people can be compiled into one of four countries. And of course, it kind of intermixes some, and you have dominance in, in one and, and maybe sub in the other or less in the other. But we really all would fit into one. And I've thought about this in my own life and studied this, and it certainly is true. And this has helped my wife and I greatly. So uh, let me just click real through, through the four countries. You have the country of control, the black square box of control. Secondly, you have the country of fun. Everything's having a great time. Next, you have the country, are you ready for this, of perfect that diamond-shaped, hard, perfect, and then you have the country of peace. So first of all, these people that are from these countries, and it's not just from China to the U.S., no, it's like England and Scotland, and uh, these countries where they speak English, listen carefully, I know you're looking at this, but listen carefully, we speak English so that we assume that we all should understand one another and we're all the same, but we're not. And God says that we need to be fit together, knit together, dwell together, dying to self. And I'm just trying to give an illustration of this. This is why I'm trying to teach this tonight, to give an illustration, to get outside of our selfish self so that we can, again, go back to healing, hurting marriages and making better, good marriages and building future marriages and ultimately giving glory to God. And that is, of course, the purpose of the series. So the control people in this country of control, I'm going to switch over to here if you'll try to keep me 
get good at the same volume there. Uh, these people are the get-or-done people. Just get-or-done. Their favorite uh, vehicle is the bulldozer. We're going somewhere. We're getting something done. We're so focused on what we're doing that we don't really care or understand or know who we're hurting along the way. And uh, no, we're going somewhere. We might be killing some people, but they'll be fine because they certainly want to get stuff done too. And it's all for getting something done. Right? So certainly we're all on the same page there. Uh, their greatest desire in life is appreciation for what they do. They just want appreciation. Look, I'm working hard. I'm trying to get this done. I want you to appreciate. We want this appreciation. The words that they would hear is appreciation, achievement, accomplishment, grasp, control. Just get it done. Let's go. We got to get this thing done. Come on. Let's move forward. And here's what happens is they're generally so strong about wanting to accomplish. How many of you are already thinking about somebody who's in control? All three of you. Come on now. Help me out. I'm giving you an illustration here that's going to help us in just a little bit. Uh, uh, They're they're so uh, adamant about doing this that the last thing that you want to give them is appreciation. And we deny these people the very thing that is breath in life to them because they just want appreciation. They're not trying to hurt anybody. we got to go get stuff done. And certainly everybody else is so focused on, but not everybody else is just focused on getting it done. By the way, all men have a little bit of this. But I'm talking about primarily not just men and women, but people in general. And again, a lot of this is based on personal experience in pastoring and just moving forward, getting it done. And I don't think I fall into this box. I think you'll see which one I fall into, though somewhat embarrassing. These are the people that will go first at the four-way stop regardless of who pulled up. They are not waiting on anybody else. We're going, come on, don't halt, don't wait, you know, the little way. I'm going, I am going. Uh, By the way, let me just stop and say this. These people, though it doesn't seem and in every category it's this way it doesn't seem like this people that are in control of situation these people are by and large over the other four countries these people are largely insecure that's why they want control because acting control and controlling a situation these type people will manipulate schedules you'll figure out what how am I meeting them at that time here? And we're, I, I guess we're just doing it. Somehow I got manipulated. They want control because they're insecure. Tonight I messed up the, the choir. Because I'm not in the control box, I, I, on the, I didn't bring them in. I missed a major and I didn't bring them in right. I don't know if anybody noticed that or not. To a control person, that bothers them greatly because they lost control. It bothers them greatly and they feel like people are not appreciating. And so you'll hear... Control people try to make up excuses for why that happened. By the way, control people a lot of times will shift blame because shifting blame keeps them in control. If if they don't shift blame, they're not in control. They messed up. Follow me. And again, this is just by way of illustration, really not even the meat of the message, though it'll definitely take up the middle of the message. Not the meat. It's it's an illustration to understand uh, where we are at as believers where we are at as married couples and future married couples that you're going to have to do it God's way and that there is good that God created control people to be leaders to get stuff done and thank God for it I like to work with I like to work with control people you give them a job and you can walk away from it because they'll have 40 people around them and they will be going a lot of people might quit along the way. <laughs> and, and as a pastor, I might be sitting in the offices putting, putting band-aids on the people that they were working with. But they'll get some stuff done. 
And there's a lot of great qualities that we can circle uh, back around to. But you're not helping them as a spouse to deny a control person appreciation. Noticing the achievements of their lives. Control people, a lot of time in their past, not always, had something. Maybe they had a mom and dad that were harsh to them or that belittled them or that rejected them and that's why then they've got to stand in control because they don't want to get in a situation where they're out of control. Does that make sense? Again, they are greatly insecure. Some of the preachers, I, I've known preachers that come across you know, very dogmatic and very, and I got to know them behind closed doors and they're insecure people. And that sounds like I'm being judgmental. Not at all. I'm fine with that. I want to help them as they help me with, with my personalities and, and, and desires and needs. But um, uh, it, it, is, uh, it is something that what will happen is it's weird to us because we don't need that. We don't need to be in control and manipulate the situation. Some people in other countries will say, fine, sure, you, you pick the time, fine, if you want to do that, okay, that's, that's fine. It's weird to us, but what happens is so many times people like this become so dominant. That's why we need the Spirit of God and to walk in grace. But become so dominant that we want to deny them as a spouse. We want to deny them what they need, that, that breath and that life. Let's look at the next country really quick. Everybody listening okay? Y'all are looking at me with eyes wide open. <clears throat> God made us so different, all of us, entirely different as we have seen and will see from the Word of God. Now these people just want to have fun. They have a lot of excitement. These are visionary people. These use the word epic. Uh, does anybody know which box I might fall into? Um, one of their greatest things, and this is embarrassing, but it's true, and I even ran this one by my wife. I said, do you really think? She says, as a, as a teenager, yes. She says, as a husband and as a pastor, you've tried to grow out of that. But, but across the board, these people, and by the way, this will help you with your children. You're gonna I have seven, there's seven of us in my family and of course my own children, but brothers and sisters, man, I got them all picked out where they're at. Uh, but uh, uh, their greatest desire is to be noticed. They love the spotlight. It doesn't matter. They'll tell embarrassing stories on themselves when everybody else is like, why are you telling that? I don't know. I just love it. I just love it. And, and their greatest need is to be accepted for who they are. Hey, I'm just the life of the party. I'm here. I love the spotlight. I, I, can, I can stand up in front of people. Sure, let's go. And everywhere they go, it seems like to be a party. And they love the, look at me, look at me, look at me. Everybody look at me. Just look at me. I'm, everything's happy and everything's great and everything's fun. Their favorite vehicle is the roller coaster. Woohoo! But by the way, the roller coaster goes down. These people are moody. Uh, <laughs> these people uh, are just flying everywhere. <laughs> and they're crashing into walls and get them. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, that was great. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, not very organized. But hey, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. This is great. This is awesome. Let's go. Woohoo! And crashing the play, crashing in the wall, getting back up in the spouse. Don't think it's too funny. At all. I mean, these are the people that walk outside of the mall and like, oh, I forgot where I parked my car. Ha <laughs> isn't that funny? And, and your spouse is like, no, it's not funny. It's not funny. You ought to know where it is. You know, a control person's like, you know, and a perfect person. We'll get into that in a moment. But, but just everything is funny. These people are loud. They're desirous to be noticed and, and accepted for the way that they are. We want approval for the way that we act. Don't make me feel like a dud. Don't, don't make me feel like an idiot. Uh, they would say, these people can be annoying, especially in competitions, because people don't understand them. They can be annoying because they're running their mouth all the time, okay? And uh, they're, just, they're just, you know, uh, but they're not very big on details. Not very big on details. Let's just have a good time. Everything will be fine. These people will struggle with follow-through, but can be great on vision. These people will be moody. These people um, 
what we'll do many times, the, the words are, I love it, happy, good times, funny, great, epic. What we'll do often is say, oh, don't give them attention. <laughs> don't egg them on. Denying them the very thing, and making them feel like a dud, and make them feel like an idiot. Now stay with me, stay with me. They're always trying to sell people with their words. So they would go up, let's say we have Valentine Banquet coming up, Brother Abe, and um, a, a fun person would go up to their spouse, let's say a fun person's the wife, they go up to their husband, and maybe he's a control person, they go up and, and say, oh, it's going to be so much fun, and they have games, and, and chocolate covered strawberries, and it's going to be amazing, it's going to be always fun, like, ah, I got time for that. Why? Because the individual is doing what we've always do. We're selfish. We speak in our own language. We speak, we think of us. We don't want to pause and think of somebody else. And if we really wanted to accomplish something, we'd go up to a control person and say, hey, look, I think we could achieve a lot <laughs> by going to this Valentine banquet. A lot would be accomplished. Here's what we would get done by going. Our marriage would be strengthened. We'd have a night out and the kids would be able to be away from us for a little while and that'd be good. And we'd see this accomplished and that. Yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we ought to do that. Why? Because we were able to get outside of our country a little bit and speak into somebody else's country. A lot I'd like to say, but let's move to the third country. And these are the perfect people. These people just want to get it right. They just want to get it right. Details, 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 magnifying glass everywhere. Their, their, their way of saying I love you is let me tell you what's wrong with you. Let me tell you what's wrong with you. And they truly, they truly love you. And they truly, they just don't want to see you drive off the cliff. Or the, and you're not driving off the cliff, but they think you are because they just got to make sure everything's just, uh, just right. And so you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this right. And that's their version of love. They're always pointing out what's wrong and what could be uh, better. Uh, and with these people, you can never bat a thousand. I finally got it right, Brother Michael. You can never bat a thousand. I've been saying a hundred. But you can never bat a thousand. There's just, you'll never measure up. There'll always be something wrong. There'll always uh, uh, just not be quite right. And uh, a lot of times there'll be a clean freak. Not in every time, but a lot of times. Their favorite vehicle is the train because if the track is not the exact width, it won't be on the rails and we can't go. We're not going anywhere unless it's just right. And a lot of times they're greatly misunderstood. I have a sister, I won't say which. A lot of people would think that she's controlled, but she's not. She's perfect. Here's why. If you approach a perfect person and you say, you're just a control freak, they will get highly offended. Why? Because they just want things right. It's just in their mind. If you have a control child, excuse me, a perfect child, they just want things right. They're not trying to control everybody, but people think that they're controlled because they're train stoppers. Ah, something ain't right. I'm not trying to control anything. They're just train stoppers and we've got to fix this and details, details, details. If you approach a control person about being a control freak, you know what they do? Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And no problem. Why? Because, hey, I'll take charge. I, ain't nobody else doing anything around here anyways. I might as well do it. But not a perfect person. A perfect person will get greatly offended about you calling them a control person. Their words are... Um, uh, I, I, did, I, I messed up the words there. I'll have to give you their words in just a minute. Uh, I, I have them here. Ideal, perfect, details, right. So not these words. I didn't, I didn't type them out right. Ideal, perfect, details, uh, right. Get it right. Uh, these are the type people, if they're on the Titanic and it's going down, uh, you know, we're all jumping, save yourselves! And they're like, oh, these chairs, these chairs have to be straightened. What? We're dying! We're dying! We're dying over here! It's in the manual. It's in the manual. It's policy. Come on! We're going to die. The ship's going to sink. Well, we just have to abide by the manual. Just have to abide by the policy. That's those 
kind of people. And a lot of times these people are uh, geniuses and can, creative geniuses because they can really get it details and they make great workers because they will abide by that policy, abide by that manual. Nothing's going to ever budge them. It's just got to be right. And uh, uh, by, by nature, these people are very sensitive people. Listen very, very carefully. Extremely sensitive, perfect people that just want everything just right. Nothing can ever bat a thousand. They try, they try, they try. They stress about it. Everything. They're very, very sensitive, but you never guess it. Here's why. They're always throwing darts at everybody else. So when you throw them back, they get real You think they can take it, but they can't. They're very, very sensitive people all the time. Why? Because they want things perfect, and if it's not perfect, they feel like a failure. And if you make them feel like a failure, you're in trouble. Why? Because then it becomes very personal to their identity and to who they are. Most people um, will, especially control people, will really hurt a sensitive person. I've watched it. I've seen it here in the church. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it where, 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 where a, a, a perfect person, they're not controlled. They just want things right. They get very, very sensitive. And by the way, they'll hold these sensitivity baggage for a long time, sometimes for their whole life, um, because they feel like a failure. Um, most of the time they're walking around hurt and offended because people are not sensitive to them. Um, you know what? I didn't even get, yeah, get it right. We want you to be sensitive to our feelings. And um, uh, if, uh, if you offend a controlled child, he'll push past it. It's all right. If you offend a fun child, they'll laugh it off. They'll get over it. If you offend a peace child, we'll talk about that. They will make peace with it. If you offend a perfect child, they'll carry that hurt for a very long time because you messed up their perfect little world. They were trying to do it right, mom and dad. We wanted to do everything right. Now I'm a failure. Or I wanted to do this right, spouse, husband, wife. But somehow uh, you offended them because they were a perfect person and they were very, 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 very sensitive. That's okay. You're going to have to learn to dwell together. You're going to have to learn to die to self and speak into their life. But a lot of times, we very, very easily offend perfect people because we mess up their little world. Fun people mess up their world easily. Control people just bulldoze through their world. Peace people are just so laid back that the perfect people are so pathetic with them because they think they're lazy all the time. So I want you to understand, be very careful. But by the way, I, I'm, I'm glad for, if I'm flying at 35,000 feet in the air, I want a perfect person flying, right? Not a fun person. <laughs> Crash. Oh, we'll build another one. Great. Surely we got enough money. <laughs> All right. Now we have peace people. Peace people. These are the people that just want to get along with everybody. They frustrate control people to death because they are highly unmotivated, you think. But they're really, they'll, get, they'll get stuff done. It's just in their own way. They hate emotional waves and inevitably they marry <laughs> somebody who's always doing cannonballs in the, in the pool of their life. And, oh, calm down. Let's just be calm. These people are often misunderstood as lazy and incompetent. They don't get hyped up. Their favorite vehicle is the gondola on calm waters. Doesn't matter where we're going. Doesn't matter how long it takes to get there. Just whistle as you go. Just moving along. How many of you so far have picked out yourself or somebody else? Raise your hand. Good, I'm glad. Y'all are looking at me real funny tonight, but I think it's, it's going to help you. These people like to do things with as little effort as possible. Little effort as possible. They will have uh, 
um, a pile of things here and they'll work on that a little bit and they'll work on this. They just want everything to be at peace and they'll work over here and they'll try to get th- things done. But if not, it's okay. The words they like to hear are calm, laid back, easy, quiet, no big deal. These people just want you to respect who they are, just respect and accept who they are. Control people will say, hey, you need to get more done. Yes, yes, that's good. Thank you. Fun people say, hey, you need to be, have more fun. Sure, sure, we need to have a lot more fun. Perfect people, you need to get it right. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm getting it right. That's all right. And just everything's so calm. But wait a minute, with peace people, you will not realize, but all the other countries will be insulting them and making them feel stupid and lazy. And eventually they'll shut down on you. They'll just shut down. Because they have long wicks and people will ride. If you have a peaceful wife that just goes along, sir, you better be careful. There'll come a day where she may be packing her bags and gone. You say, well, I thought, I mean, she never gave me a minute's problem. I know she was a peace person, but you pushed her too far. You made her feel stupid. You made her feel dumb. You made her feel like an idiot. You made her feel lazy or vice versa, whatever the case may be. If a war breaks out between the other three countries, the peace people will just go into hiding and come out and stand by the winner when it's done. It's <laughs> the way it works. Uh, at, at the end of that. If you make a control pills person feel insecure, he'll shut down on you. If you make a fun person feel like a dud, he'll shut down on you. If you make a perfect person feel like a failure, they will shut down on you. If you make a peace person feel stupid, they will shut down on you. Now, here's a key statement. That was an illustration. Very basic, and I could have... There's a whole lot there, but that's, that's not where God has led me tonight other than to say that. Most marriages fail because they focus on what is wrong instead of what is right. We're so self-centered that if something is wrong, it crossed into my country. To see something right, you have to cross out of your country. Do you get that? You have to purposefully die to self and give your life to others. Another key statement, the things that make you happy in life are the things that motivate you the most. And uh, let me give you another key statement. A happy marriage is when a couple learns to not just tolerate their differences, but actually enjoy and appreciate them. I'll say it again. A happy marriage is when a couple learns to not just, into- just tolerate their differences, but actually enjoy and appreciate them. Now, in Genesis chapter number 2, and this is all together. You'll see this as we reveal it here. In Genesis chapter number 2, in verse number 18, uh, let me read it for you. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 18. What are those two words, ladies, that God called you? Genesis 2 and verse number 18. Somebody raise your hand and tell me those two words. God called you something. Uh, anybody? All right, Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and what, what for him? Help meet for him. Help meet what? Stay with me. Help meet what? Help meet what? For him, for his what? For his needs. Now stay with me, not for her needs, but for his needs. She is a need meter. But most women, just like most men, focus on their own needs. Imagine a worker showing up to a job, and first day on the job they meet their boss, and, 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 and here's the first words out of their mouth. Okay, what do I want to do here? <laughs> what do I like here? What do I want here? And the boss would say, what, excuse me? You're supposed to show up and say, what do we need here? What does this company need? What, what needs accomplished? And the Bible says in marriage that we are going to have to follow God's plan and God's plan is 100% not ever thinking about your needs in marriage. 
Oh, you'll take care of yourself and you'll love yourself. I'm going to show you that scripture in a moment. I'm talking about in marriage. In your personal life, you'll, t- you'll, you'll lick your wounds and take care of your needs and keep clean clothes on and keep your belly fed and all that good kind of stuff. But in marriage, your focus should be on the other's needs. Most marriages fail because their needs are not being met, but it's not about your needs being met. Here's the key statement. Your needs are only met when your spouse's needs, when you meet your spouse's needs. Look at this in Hebrews, excuse me, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. He that loveth his wife, do you see that? Loveth himself. So what this is talking about is it's not about your needs and what you want. And most marriages sitting in this room and around the world are, 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 are missing this, unfortunately. God says, my plan is that you die to self and you meet the needs of the other person. So let me illustrate this. I have needs. I park up on the square and it's very cold. So I got on Amazon and bought a $7.99 um, scarf plus all these COVID crazy people. I can just go like that. And I don't have to worry about it. So I got a scarf. And then I needed a coat that was warm. So I got a coat that has double lining. And uh, this is going to be real hot up here. I got a coat. Why? Because it was my needs. I think about it. Just like you in your workplace. Hunters and uh, businessmen and, and, and laborers uh, on the line. And, and late, uh, uh, in all, we all have needs. And then my ears were cold and I would get sick. And I use my voice a lot, obviously. And so I would keep that warm. And I'd get this thing zipped up. And then I would put these things on. Why? Because I love my body, and my body's cold, and I don't want my throat to go bad, and I don't want to get sick. Everybody following me so far, okay? Then I got some vitamins to help with deficiencies and vitamin D and different things of that nature. This is what 1 Corinthians 7.3 is talking about. It. Look at it behind me. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband, for the wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife defraud ye not one for another, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for incontinency. This is talking about the marital uh, relation. Paul argues that marriage is just a sexual contract. That's what Paul says. We're going to get into that maybe next week, maybe the following week, and, and talk about that. But ultimately what the principle is teaching is, we are to give ourselves 100%, 100% and stop day by day and think about the other person. And here's what I'm trying to say. Most marriages are failing because we're not doing that. Would you, would we, could we be honest tonight and just shake our head up a little? Or at least not doing it in the way that God has created. So the problem is in marriage that people usually give what they want and need instead of what their spouse wants and needs. And this is happening in marriage all the time, even in relation to what we were talking about in those countries and even what we talked about last week. So in problem solving, a woman comes and she gives the husband what she wants. And God says, not so. You're to die to self and learn and study just as I as a pastor have to learn and study you. I could be a lazy pastor and say, oh, I don't care. If you don't do things that way, if you're lazy or you're a control freak or you're just at peace or, or you're trying to get things, then we would never get anything done. But God created these type people and I'm one of them along the way that we all have to strive together for the cause of Christ. But I have to think about others to do that. Amen? And so what happens is we will, in marriage, just give what we need and what we want instead of what our spouse needs. My wife and I laugh about this. We just brought it up this week as we were discussing this together. She says, it's funny, Joseph, you do this. I was like, oh, great, thanks. She says, no, not in a bad way. Thank you again. Um, But 
She says, when you buy me gifts, they're almost always technology gifts. She says, when I buy you gifts, they're almost always clothes. She said, yeah, that's right. I would rather you give me technology. I bought her this Bose speaker and I, you know, a computer a while back. and all. It's always technology type stuff. Why? Because that's what I want. It's the way we think. How many guys honestly have walked through Shields looking for a pink handgun? Come on now. Why? Because, look, I saw several hands go up. Or, or pink tools, or pink saw, or pink camo. Because that relates to us. How many ladies have walked through malls and looked at clothes and like, oh, my husband would love this. Why? Because it's what we want. Instead of learning and studying and dying to self and say, what does my spouse need? What does my spouse need? We give them what we want, not what they need. That's a powerful statement. Men need appreciation for every little task. Women need romance and love, that unconditional love. So you know what we'll do as men? We give them what we want because we're selfish. We don't want to think about what she needs. So you know what? We're good to our wife. We'll give them respect. Hey, good job. Fist bump. Because that's what we want. We want appreciation. Look, it's like me at home. This actually happened. My wife's gone and I'm, I'm, I got a dish and man, I just don't want to put it in the dish because I ate on it and and, and she's gone now. If she's there, I, I, I will do that. I don't know why that's weird. But, um, but you know, she's gone. I, I want to I put it away. Man, I don't want to leave more mess than when she left with. And so I grab it, and I open the dishwasher, and I go to put it in, and it's full. Now, that is a moral dilemma for every man. I mean, what do we do? <sighs> nope, not going to get it. So here's what we do. We take it all out. Stay with me, guys. We take it all out. We put it all away. And our wife comes home and we're just standing there. What do we want? We want appreciation. That's what we want. But far too often, our wives will come in and make fun of me like, good job, yay, you know, no, no appreciation. Why? Because they do that all the time. They want surprise and spontaneity, uh, spontaneousness, you know, the flowers. And, the, you know, they don't want the rigid achievement schedule like we do. Okay, this is the day I bring you flowers. It's Valentine's Day, and here you go. They want to walk in, surprise, you know. But we don't give them that because you come walking in work, you know, and do that to us. Surprise, honey. It's like, hey, babe, I'm busy. Could you? Come on now. Y'all help me. Don't freeze up on me here. So men to love their, own, their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Um. For our marriage panel, there's so many marriages in my immediate family with my wife's family and my family. I mean, there's Mr. and Ms. Coburnett, Joe and Mrs. Coburnett. Joe Coburnett's gone. There's that past, the pastor and Mrs. Coburnett, the, the Her- pastor Harold. There's dad and Miss Rhonda. There's dad and, and my mom, uh, Miss Diane. There's the, the Epleys. Uh, there's the Trebers and the, those, there's the Wyatts. The list could go on. And there's, there's like 20 to 30 preaching in churches. And so I asked them and they sent it all in. And I'm only going to share one tonight in regards to the message, and I'll show. I just asked them all, all the kids, uh, millions of kids from all of these marriages directly in our families, immediate families. Um, and this is what my oldest sister, Joanna, wrote in an addendum to what she said about marriage. She says, I think it's important to me to remember, she texts this today, that when you ask me about my memories, you're talking about things from 1980 to 1997. Couples in that generation buckled down and got busy raising a family 
and made their choices based on what was best for the family as a whole. I don't think they really stopped a lot to ask themselves if they were happy in a relationship, etc. They said their own wants and desires. They set their own wants. She texted me this and I didn't type correct it. Their own wants and desires aside for what was good for the family as a whole. I think couples today are always asking themselves what they are getting out of it. And as long as that is the focus, they will never be happy. That's a mouthful right there, isn't it? It's really going to what we're talking about, that God made us different. And if all you're focused on is who you are and how you are and what you want, you will never find God's will for your life in marriage. So let me close. And I pray that God, I've struggled with this message. I pray that God has given you something. He's given me something, but it's kind of unique to, 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 to uh, get across. What does every marriage need? Well, there's a lot of things, but here's what God gave me for tonight as we close. Here's what every marriage needs. Here's what every marriage needs. Number one, every marriage needs Jesus. What made the difference in the Garden of Eden? Perfect husband. Perfect ladies. Perfect wife. Perfect environment. Perfect everything. And yet, look at the sin. Look at the banishment. Look at the sorrow. What made the difference? Listen carefully. God made the difference. God was there. A lot of people just think it's two becoming one. It is. But how does that two make that perfect union? It's a threefold cord. God is the sealer. God is the difference maker. You cannot have a good marriage without God. Good in the terms of, of, of biblical terms and, and right, fullness and complete, completeness. And I'm going to talk about that uh, here in the next couple of weeks about spiritual intimacy and uh, putting Christ in marriage and watching your marriage blossom and flourish. Normally, the missing link is God in every marriage. Devotions, praying, reading our Bibles, starts there. Secondly, it's commitment. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor. Every marriage needs this. We're talking about marriage needs tonight. That's really my title in Two Becoming One, but marriage needs and dying to self, which I'll speak about in a moment here. But commitment, focus on one another. Leave father and mother and what? Cleave. But a lot of times, there's a lot of focus on other things, whether it be work, hobbies, entertainment, instead of a focus on your spouse. Well, we've been married 40 years. She does her thing. I do mine. You ought to focus on your spouse. Otherwise, you're disobeying God and you're bringing hindrance to your own prayers. You're getting busy. Hey, you focused when you were dating, but something changed. Forsaking all others, keep the only unto yourself so long as you both shall live. It is very sad to me. I see it even in Christian churches like ours. Very, very rarely, but every once in a while, I'll see primarily a man, but sometimes a lady, and they got married and they never took their antennas off. You know what I'm talking about? They leave the antennas on. I want to I wanna illustrate this one for you, okay? They leave their antennas on. All right. Thanks to Brother Michael and his ingen ingenious uh, design skills. Why do I feel like Barney Fife right now? I'm hanging in the closet. I'm taller. Now, wait a minute. Honestly, there is a lot of people still in marriage. I've seen people. Look, I've seen young couples. It's like, why are you standing around at Corner Creamery talking to some girl that's not your wife? I will physically, almost, visually see antennas on top of their head. And what it is, it's antennas to anybody that might be halfway flirtatious to them. Because they'll be flirtatious back. Or sometimes, quit taking pictures of me. <laughs> oh my... I knew it. I asked Michael to make me antennas. And I said, they just got to stay on my head. And he brought me this and I about died. But anyways, 
I said, I'm going to do it as long as they'll remember it. Now, look, you're not being judgmental. You're not calling names and don't ask each other who you're talking about. Come on, cameras. But how many of you, you've known somebody that's had it? Well, don't, don't raise your hand because it might be your spouse. And, no, it wasn't your spouse. But, um, but you know, in your heart, you know, antennas are on. And, 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 and guys, you need to take your antennas off when you get married. Never again. The day that I said I do, and really the day that, that I got engaged, uh, I don't know at what point, some, some point my wife's making fun of me and laughing at me, but at some point in there, I took my antennas off. And by the way, they were not off before. Uh-uh. <laughs> Is she interested in me? Is she pretty? Is she, right? And you got to be careful with that, guys. But there are guys right now you got antennas on. And some of that's good because you're trying to get the right wavelength to who God has for you. Are you listening? You better tune into God's Word to get the right channels to know what you ought to be picking up. Stay with me. I can preach for an hour right now, but it's uncomfortable, so I won't. <clears throat> but wait a minute. In marriage, commitment to your spouse. Take the antennas off. Stop entertaining other spouses. It's ungodly. It's not right. It's dangerous. And you're damning your children to a life of lust and infidelity. Take them off. Don't be an idiot. Take them off and be committed to the wife that God gave you. Number three, quickly and we're almost done. Every marriage needs God. Every marriage needs commitment. Every marriage needs integrity. Proverbs 10, 9, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. Personal integrity is not what we do, but it's who we are. There are certain people in any situation, you know they're going to come out okay because they have integrity. You hear these terms and these words, um, even in the business world, in the work world, um, hey, there was a flood and that bridge there with the, with the stream and the water, we need to go check the integrity of the bridge. Is it still strong? Is it still doing what it was designed to do? And in many marriages, they start out built strong, or so it seems. But the first floodwaters that come, the antenna comes on, and there's no integrity. They stop being what God created them to be. The, the wedding vow was a joke. The fact that you ought not vow if you're not going to keep it is a joke. And they're playing games. There's no integrity in that. It's like the lady who went to the high society club and sat down and she was highfalutin and, 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 and wanted to highball with the rest of them and the big money. And a lawyer sitting beside of her said, hey, come home with me tonight for $10,000. She was a little embarrassed, but she said, sure, I'll do that. He then leaned over and whispered and says, how about $10? She says, what kind of a woman do you think I am? He said, honey, we've already determined that. Now we're just trying to set the price. There's a lot of truth there. There's a lot of truth there. Integrity in marriage. Integrity is how you treat other people. Integrity is how you get along with other people. Integrity is how easily you quit. Integrity is doing right because it is right. And standing strong because you are a child of God. Companies hire for competency and talent but they fire for character and a lack of integrity. Your marriage is only as strong as you are weak. You need Christ. You need integrity. You need honesty. You need to, and you say, well, yeah, I've just had my whole life and my parents and my grandparents. You can get that right tonight. Each and every Christian can have integrity in Christ. Number four, compromise, which is surrender. 
I'm going to cover this in detail later, so we'll just touch on it for a brief second. This is submission. Submission, as my dad preached about, about four weeks ago, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that on a Wednesday night. You'll see that online. Submission causes submission. Compromise in marriage. Sir, ma'am, you don't have to be right. One of the greatest things in our marriage, it took us about five years, but that little word probably spared our marriage. We just decided we were going to compromise. She can be right. I can be wrong. I can be right. She can be wrong. We're going to compromise. We don't have to always be right and have it our way. We're going to compromise. And, and there was some t- contentious times before we both just said, we're just going to compromise. Outside of your marriage, you never compromise. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about working with people. I'm talking about you're not a compromiser and just laying down and letting your standard. But in marriage, you compromise. You compromise for one another. You, 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 you submit your will to one another. And then last but not least, and we're going to cover this in detail because it's so important, but intimacy. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about that. I told you what Paul says. The fastest way for a man to get bitter and angry is to not have his physical needs met. And by the way, the fastest way for a lady to feel unloved is to not have her physical needs met, but they're so different. A lot of people just think of the act or the bedroom, but it's so broad here. And I'm going to show you in this, the key to incredible intimacy. It's not just about what you think of intimacy, but I'm going to talk about, and we're closing, we're going to pray here, and I pray God, God helped our marriages tonight. I believe he did in giving us some truth. <clears throat> but in, in this intimacy thing, because I want you to pray about it, is that men are imprinted so easily before, we are, uh, before we're married in any act that a, a man enters into, they're imprinted. And any sexual relationships before marriage is lust, any. It's not about the girl, it's about the act. And so we're imprinted very, very easily, just like a bird. There's certain birds that when they're born, whatever they see, they'll attach to it as their mother. And so after they get married, their imprintation is all about lust and that quick and easy and fast and just let's go and there's no romance there. There's no, it's just, and this is why in general men get the term, oh, they're just kind of some animal, they're just some. But wait a minute, women who enter before, and by the way, there's a lot of hope. That's why I'm telling you this. So we're going to help you dig through this because a lot of people in this adulterous generation have been down this road. Ladies relate in intimacy to what happens afterwards. And before marriage, nothing happens afterwards. So after marriage, that's what's imprinted in their mind is that it means nothing to them. Even with me talking about it tonight, every time I talk about or say something about intimacy, they're like, that isn't a big deal. Paul said his argument was that's why you get married. It's a sexual contract. That's what Paul said. Read it. That was his argument. He said, look, that's why you get married. It's bringing your needs to somebody that can only meet them and vice versa. And so we're so messed up from the world and how we think. By the way, ladies or men, but ladies who are abused before sexually, now they really have bad connotation. They're imprinted by the first acts of sexuality. Well, you don't have to say amen on that because I understand it's awkward. And the Word of God has the answers to work through all of that. Let me just plead with you young people. When a guy comes and they're imprinted, Thank God for mom and dad who fought this for me. And there's a crowd of people gathered to celebrate this. And God is celebrating this. And we go on honeymoon night and it's right and people are excited and family are calling and brothers say, hey, how was it? It It's awesome. This is great. God, 
we're imprinted, it's about the girl, the wife, the marriage union, not about the lust. When a wife comes and there's all her friends and there's the white dress and there's the celebration, stay with me, I'm unloading here, but there's all of this applaud and it's right and it's good and they enter into that commitment after intimacy is amazing and wonderful because God designed that connection and that closeness which is actually greater after than before and it's imprinted to last for the rest of marriage. And this is why so many marriages are failing because maybe you weren't saved or maybe Satan got a stronghold in your life and you messed some things up and we're not coming back to the Bible to rework them and come down through to rework even as old people, older, middle-aged, of course young and even young couples so that we stop and stick our hand in the fan and get out of this, this, this slush muck and mire of the central adulterous world and we enjoy the beauty and the wholeness Far greater than one little aspect. Oh, what's he talking about? Far greater than that to see, wow, this really is amazing. We enjoy this uh, at, at all, uh, abundantly, overflowing. And God will do a great way, great thing in that as we move forward. I want you to be in prayer for these. These are uh, for a young man, not, not the easiest things to preach, but my authority is in the Word of God and God is helping me and I'm so thankful for a godly wife that stands beside me and writes my messages like tonight and I appreciate that. I'm teasing. God bless us tonight, I pray. Let's all stand to our feet. Father, do a work. If there's a lost soul online here in person that needs Jesus, may they come to know Him. Help us in our marriages right now in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you come and kneel at an altar? You've been patient tonight as we've talked this lesson. It's been more like a study. Would you step forward? Would you come and bow the knee? Maybe some God touched a little boy's heart, a little girl's heart about being selfish and not caring about the needs of other people. Maybe you don't get along with anybody because you want everybody to act the same way that you act. You don't understand why other people are just laid back, unmotivated. Well, they're just lazy. I'm writing them off. I'll never have anything to do with them. No, God never writes anybody off. He works with them. He takes time for them. He understands different backgrounds, different uh, upbringings, different ways. And parents, you need to focus and study your children that they have different needs. And you need to speak into their parents that just say, well, you know, when I was a kid, well, how about the fact that you're not a kid anymore and this child needs biblical principles. They need love. They need grace. They need correction. They need discipline. But they need you to learn them, to know them. They need to, you, you can hurt a child. You can mark a child. You can mark a spouse. Because, well, they ought to just be like me. That's the most selfish thing in all the world. God made us male and female to bring our unique needs. And most of the time, people in the same country don't marry. Opposites attract. That's what attracted you to them. And then after marriage, we get real selfish and we don't cross over into those other countries. People don't do well on the mission field that are not willing to learn the other... People, when I'm taking somebody on a mission trip... I know they're going to do well when they're starting to learn the language. They get a little app and learning the words. They're learning the food. This is why we do the international dinner. It, it, it takes you out to, well, I just like fried chicken, chicken nuggets, and hot dogs, and I don't care. The rest of the world can die and go to hell. Come on, folks. Get outside of our little bubble, off of our little pedestal, and realize that other people like egg foo young, and other people like egg rolls, and other people like hot sauce, and I think you get the funny illustration that I'm trying to give you, but get outside of yourself. And as Paul said, I am all things to all men. 
so that the cause of Christ can go forward. Meet the needs in, in, in every area. Women come to men and they, they think, well, I, I'm not getting enough romance and I just want to sit down and talk and certainly that's what my husband needs. And he's like, man, I, I don't need that. And all he's thinking about himself and all she's thinking about herself. And then the husband takes what he needs and brings it to his wife. Come on, honey. <laughs> Let's go. And, 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 and it's like, we got to think outside of ourselves a little bit here. And die to self and dwell together according to knowledge. As we said, no man yet hateth his own self, but loveth it, nourisheth it, cherisheth it. He said, so you ought to do that for your wife as your own body, just like illustrated with the scarf and the, and the coat. And the, I think you ought to think about what do they need. And it takes time and it takes prayer and it takes friendship. It takes partnership. It takes commitment. Get the antennas off. Quit flirting around. Stop. Father, bless us, I pray. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our love one for another. Bringing us together for the cause of Christ to work together that your name would be magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't get strawberries tonight, make sure you get some. Fellowship one with another. I love you, church, and I mean that. And look in the good in other people. God is using us all for great and mighty things. God bless you. You are dismissed.